All right. Thank you guys very, very, very much for coming out again. It is another live show. Life just keeps on rolling on. In a lot of ways, it just keeps on getting better. In a lot of ways, it's just another day. But it's always fun to be back out here and have a little bit of fun with you guys. I do want to see you at the next one. Tell your friends next Friday because I know it's cold. I know it's scary in the world. And I know you want to come out and meet all of the great ladies and have a wonderful time with them. And I want to see you there. Always nice to meet a new lady or new fan. Send a message, tell your friends, and all the rest. If you're looking at where to go for the link, that's at Real Grey Knight on Twitter. It's the top link in my pinned tweets. You can come on in and say hello. I haven't changed that one in years because it's so nice to have a place on the internet that you can call home. Don't you think? I know I do. All right, that's the plugging. That's the saying hello and the begging and the pleading and all that. So I just have to level with you guys. Um, I don't have a lot of super fun news or anything uh, this this week to start off the show with. Uh, I've been reading about stuff and I've been trying to, to find something that'd be kind of light. But this was a week where I read about the U.S. Civil War. And if I was right about people's feet freezing off, I was, but I guess for different reasons. And uh, frankly, read a little bit about uh, COVID. Uh, and uh, unfortunately, I have a, I'll be having another update pretty soon about that one. Uh, I guess, I guess it, once again, it's, it's befallen on me to try and say something's coming before it does. So that'll be fun for literally nobody. Uh, so that's, that's in the news. In addition, I've also been pretty, pretty busy with, uh, with work. So that's been, that's been super, uh, nice to tell you the, the God's honest truth because something has happened. I talked about this a little bit when I, when I talked about coming back and, uh, it's just a really, really good thing, uh, for me. And it's a new thing. And that is. I simply do not feel as anxious anymore. I'll, I'll give you a couple of examples of things that I did that I didn't think about. These are things that I did this week. Busy week, lots of work coming in, lots of work going out, uh, lots of writing, uh, studying, uh, you know, producing content again. In a week where the anxiety behaviors or the depression behaviors would manifest with everything going on, Here's a couple of things that I've previously talked about before, uh, and and, and uh, I did this week that I was just shocked about. Uh, number one, a weird thing came on in my car. Um, it's actually been a pretty good car, this car that I've had. I haven't driven it much. But when I've driven, it's behaved pretty well. But it has had some, it does have a little gremlin in its electronic system. It does want to scream at me for everything. And then I'll take it to a mechanic and they'll go, get out of here. I'm not even going to charge you. There's nothing wrong with it. That's now happened twice. So I was driving along and, and, and it made a beeping and a warning and a flashing that was like really klaxony. It was really like, ah! Ah! like it was really much more intense than your typical car alarm. I was like, okay, okay, all right. And it was the coolant system and all that. So I was like, okay, well, that's, that's an immediate thing. You, engines are hot. And so I, I take it in. They're like, well, we checked the, the coolant and it's fine. The coolant, the level and the heat and all that. So that's that's not an issue. So it's an electronic thing. Uh, we don't know how long it'll take to fix it. So get the hell out of here. Because <laughs> we're mechanics in the year 2021 or 2022. Jesus Christ. 
2022. Oh, Jesus Christ, it just keeps going. We're mechanics in the year 2022, and therefore, uh, you know, we're busy as fuck. So get out of here. Do you understand how much a hubcap costs right now? $86. Since I started talking to you, $86.25. Get the fuck out of here before it's $87. Do you understand? I'm losing money talking to you, asshole. <laughs> and these are the friendly ones. Uh, so, <laughs> so uh, I, I take it in and all that. And like I was like, okay, all right, thank you. Uh, you know. Uh, but it wasn't an issue, and I didn't even realize, like, wait, I went to a mechanic I didn't know. I went to the closest mechanic I could find, because I was like, oh, shit, this is a scary alarm. I didn't even think about it. I didn't even think about it. I just looked it up on my fucking phone. I didn't even think about it. There was no stress. There was no anxiety. There was no worst-case scenarioing. There was no catastrophizing. There was no worrying. There was no, I have to go to the mechanic across town because I know them and I've seen them before, even if I don't like them. None of it. And I didn't even realize until I got out of there. I'm like, I guess that's pretty good news. I guess all things considered, that's pretty cool. And then I was like, holy shit. I just did that. Like, I just, you know, whipped on the N95 mask. I, I put a surgical mask over it, and everybody in the world is terrified of me now. I used to put on nitrile gloves if I wanted to scare the fuck out of everybody. Because I don't know what it is about the gloves. You put, you put a mask on when everyone's wearing a mask, no one's scared of you. You put gloves on when nobody's wearing gloves and you got a mask on, you're a biohazard. You are terrifying. Everybody gives you much more than six feet of space when you got the nitriles on. I'm thinking about going and just, like, I want to wear sweatpants outside the house all day anyway. I've discovered that a lot of people will wear, like, nursing scrubs that they pick up from a thrift shop that are not nurses and all that. And I'm figuring this could be like a two-for-oneer, right? This is, could be like a two-for-oneer because, like, I'm a huge fucking wall of man and nurses are getting... Uh, uh, nurses and CNAs and all that are getting accosted across the country and people are starting shit with them. And eh, no one's going to start fucking shit with me, I promise. I've had a lot of people give me looks about the mask and I can tell a lot of them want to fucking start shit with me and so far not a single one of them has, right? So, I'm telling you, I go to do my errands with the masks on and surgical scrubs with the gloves on. I'm telling you, I'm going to get the best service of my life. Every grocery store I walk into, they're going to open up a new lane for me. Right? Just get them out! Get them out! Mortality! No, don't remind me! I want to be able to eat devil's food and live until I'm a hundred! It's a choice. It's a choice. You either eat devil's food or you get to live into three digits. You, you get to go down one path or the other, not both. All the fucking old women who make it to 108. And what did you eat? Once I had molasses during the Great Depression, but uh, don't tell anybody. <laughs> Our favorite dessert back then was imagination. Of course, we didn't have Peter Pan, so... <laughs> Also, I smoke three times a day, every day. You smoke three times a day? Three cigarettes is not that bad. No, no, three pipes full of nicotine, you dumb fuck. They always have one bad habit. They always do. Every day for breakfast, I have breaded bacon fat. I'm sorry, you do what? I take breadcrumbs and bacon fat and butter, and I put it... I'm... Hold on a second. 
I can't eat that. <laughs> you didn't even come up with a name for it? Too busy eating breaded bacon fat to come up with a name for it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, that's the first thing that I did. That I was, uh, and and I really am considering the surgical scrubs thing. Like I, I'm not, I'm not gonna like fish for them or anything. But I am going to, I am going to just kind of like uh, drive right on into a, a Big Brothers, Big Sisters, or whatever you know, something like that. A Goodwill. One of those the clothing depots. And should I happen to find a bunch of giant pairs of fucking used scrubs, whatever happens, happens from, from this point going forward. <laughs> I also, real quick, I, I heard a story about somebody picking up Chinese food for, for their scrubs, and somebody held the door open. It was an Asian woman, and... Uh, uh, I don't know why, but that particularly grabs me because, like, a lot of Asian women have a story where they're suddenly getting shouted epithets at for the first time ever or in a long time. Uh, I don't know. I don't know why it grasped me so, but he, uh, an Asian woman held the door open for the guy as he's walking into his Chinese place to pick up his to-go order. And then as he's trying to pay for it, she offers to pay. And she goes, thank you for your service. And I heard that story and I go, I would definitely turn that down. But then I was thinking about it later. I'm like, would I definitely turn that down? Or would it be too, like, would it be like an IT crowd, I'm leg disabled kind of situation where it's like, oh, no. Oh, no. It's the consequence of my actions. Do I? Do I? <laughs> I, I just say thank you. And then I eat the Chinese food and I jerk off because that's what she was talking about, right? That's what I get to assume and pretend. Thank you. Like, I'm not really thinking that's ever going to happen. That's a rare and beautiful story that happened to this nurse trying to just get some Chinese food after a shift. Uh, but, I mean, I would I would be like, oh. <laughs> I mean, she'd see me with my single order and everything. She'd assume. I, lo I look weary anyway if I'm outside the house because I'm outside the house. I've breached containment somehow. That's going to require a little bit of stamina. So she's just, oh, he's had the worst day of his life. Look at him. He's probably, he's probably been just staring death in the face and fighting it all day. Who is the enemy? The god of death. And what do we say to him? Not today. Look at him. Look at him. He'd be so hot if he wasn't a nurse and he could take care of that body. He'd be so attractive. I'd feel so much pathos for him. <clears throat> so, that's number one. Yes, I have lost my mind, Data. <laughs> and let me tell you, I am so much happier without it. Ugh. All right, number two of things that I did not overthink. Needed green tea. Needed green tea. Out of green tea in the middle of a work week. Wants some more green tea. Ran low on green tea. Very rarely run low on anything. Because I'm anal like that. I have more than I need of anything at any time. Because, ah, uh, just look at me. Just look at me and put it all together. It's not that hard. So, ran out of green tea. Didn't even think about it. Laced up the shoes, walked up to the Asian market, got the green tea, came back halfway before I realized I didn't, like, make a list, I didn't think about anything else, just couldn't got green tea. Number three, saw a bunch of risky but wonderful and cheap protein options on my grocery app, threw them immediately in the cart, went over the budget by a fair bit because everything was on such good sale, risked it, put in a good note, 
left a good tip before they shop, which sometimes I don't want to do when I when I have instructions and shit. But I just did it. I just said these are all good deals. If they don't have them, skip them. Ba 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 ba. And by God, it really turned out perfectly. I used to have to sit for hours in just 2018. I used to have to sit there for hours looking at my grocery list and then like gulp and then like press the button. I had such anxiety about it. Such anxiety about it. Not at all, baby. That's all just this last week. That's all just this last week. And I'm really proud of it all. I am. Super dumb one, but I do kind of want to flex on it. Had to go into a gas station because uh, I pulled up for gas. And then, like, just my luck, I got the one where the fucking screen and everything's not working. You know? It's just, like, I don't get that much gas. So when it happens to me, I'm just like, what are the odds? What? And it's always like, you know, they used to, they used to have the time, or the employees or what have you, to come out and, like, at least tape over the screen or something. But no one gives a shit anymore. Like if you're if you're reported to duty in America at a gas station at this point, you're you're a grizzled fucking veteran, and they they can't touch you. Your manager is just so happy to not get a phone call before your shift starts at this point. <laughs> you get behind your little you get behind your little plexiglass fortress. You prepare for your bullshit of the day. You plant your feet like you're a goddamn guard at Buckingham Palace. <laughs> no, one, no one's gonna screw with you so i you just you know so, so things are going awry outside the old gas station is what i'm saying and there's a lot more broken screws. so i had to come in and uh pay for my gas on the inside there's nobody inside or anything because i'm still doing my chores when nobody's out uh and i avoid everybody like the plague like it's still happening or something i don't know it's weird and uh uh so I, I'm inside, and I know I'm going to have a sandwich for dinner. I know what I'm having for dinner. I'm having a sandwich. I know, because I've been thinking about that sandwich all day. Like I said, I've been kind of busy. And it's going to be a big one. And I really, really just wanted a little chip, a little chippy-whippy, a little bag, you know? I really wanted it. Oh. But I told myself, I've been thinking about that sandwich and salivating about it all day. And if I didn't have to run an errand in the middle of the day, I wouldn't even be out and I wouldn't even want the chips. And it worked! It worked! Can you believe that shit? I told myself we have food at home and I went, okay. What's that? How's that new? So, I, I don't know how long it's going to last. We all know I have ups and I have downs and yada yada yada. I just came out of a big blue period. Uh, I don't know how long this is going to last, but it's, it's, it's surviving the real world test so far in 2022. It really is. Like I, uh, I, I'm cooking, I'm eating, I'm doing chores, I'm taking care of myself. It feels quite strong. So really, if I may, if I may hold myself up as a temporary source of light, a temporary little beacon, um, I, I would just like to say it's a very serious note. It is COVID-adjacent, COVID-related. But for those of you who are sick, perpetually, chronically sick, for those of you who are anxious and you're having trouble with that, for those of you who can't stop focusing, can't stop, quote-unquote, doom-scrolling, or those who are depressed and really struggling with it, I really can't encourage you enough to just keep going. 
I've said it before, and I guess I'll have to keep saying it, but really try and force yourself to do good things that are good for your body and good for you, and things that you enjoy, good things that you like, that are just fun and pleasant. And even if you don't enjoy them, and even if they're bullshit, you just kind of do them and you kind of power through. And the reason why I'm encouraging you to do that so much lately is because I'm legitimately beginning to see in myself and others who suffer these ailments and did before that the longer we persevere with this sort of Damocles over our head, the more that we start to eat the meal. For me, it's a real simple calculation. I've already spent too much time worrying about if the sword's going to fall. Let me say that one more time. The Sword of Damocles, real quick, Greek myth, ba 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 Guy says, aha, ah, I've got the best temperament ever, and I've been taught by the Stoics, and you can't scare me. He goes, what if I hang a sword over your head while you're eating dinner? He's like, ah, bet. And then he gets there, and the sword's over his head, and he's like, hmm, wait a minute. <laughs> this is kind of, oh, is that, a, is that a fire? Is that a torch being, uh... Applied just beneath the rope that's uh, holding the sword behind me, huh? And I can't look around? Interesting. Anybody smell smoke? Anybody smell smoke? The longer that I was under the sword of Damocles, at, you know, the more I focused on it. The more I was like, well, this, this could fall at any time. This could fall at any time. This could fall at any time. But now that I've had to deal with it and that obsessive thought and, and all of the worst things that could happen, and in some cases some of those worst things playing out, it really became kind of silly to keep thinking about it to me, right? I've already wasted time on if it's going to fall. So how much more time do I want to waste on if it's going to fall? Because it's going to fall if it's going to fall. So how much more time do I want to think about it? It's a very simple, dumb calculation, isn't it? But it's working for me. It's a real, this is some lost, this is some, this is a lost time fallacy. And you're engaging in it too much. And it's okay to wonder, hey, is that sword going to fucking fall? But it's not okay to not enjoy the meal while you're eating it. So that's my daddy wagon finger talking to you uh, about you just got to put one foot in front of the other. A lot of people out there are saying things along the lines of, reach out, be gentle, you never know. And I'm saying, ah, screw that shit. I don't, I mean, if you want to, go ahead. That's fine. If you, I mean, if you're, if you're into it. I'm saying, uh, reach out to you, take care of you, soothe you, bundle yourself up, brush your teeth, push yourself forward. Uh, it, the meal gets tastier, as the metaphor goes. Same meal, but it gets tastier. If you just learn to try and not focus on that goddamn sword. Okay. <clears throat> Did you know that drones are kind of loud? I'm talking about like hovercopters and quadcopter style uh, drones, did you know that they're kind of loud? If you haven't been around one, you might not know that, but they can actually be quite, quite loud. You've got a lot of moving parts and often four plus rotors on top, and they can actually make quite a large amount of noise. In fact, they're not allowed uh, of any sort in a number of preserves or natural parks because they disturb the wildlife so much, uh, sometimes for miles and miles away because of the vibrations and noise that they make and how unnatural uh, many, many uh, animals find them. So drones can be very, very loud. This is the cutest story of the week, though. A little puppy wuppy got stuck at sea on a piece of ice, 
And, unfortunately, firefighters were not able to reach him. They, they feared that a human weight going in there in the cold waters, of course, risking human lives, but also wouldn't be very successful. So they had to try and lure the puppy wuppy, the young dog, off and out of its little position. But, of course, to do so, they tried to use a little quadcopter drone, and it's very loud, and dogs have very good and sensitive hearing. And so the dog's like, oh, today could it possibly get any fucking worse? I mean, come on, the perfect end of the perfect day. Rin Tin Tin never had to deal with this shit. So the firefighters are trying to get the doggy to follow the drone, make friends with the drone. Doggy's not having it. And then they realize, well, we've, we've got a plan B with this road. So they take the drone, they bring it back in, they recharge it, they attach a little string and wing to it. And then, of course, to the string they attach some sausage. That's right, just a little bit of sausage on top of the drone. And they fly it back out there. And suddenly, the dog is a little bit more accepting of the robot and its guidance. After he has been fed a sausage, he's a little bit more willing to follow the robot. And indeed, did come to safety. So, that is a story in which technology... Like, that's the cyberpunk story that you never thought you'd hear. I mean, I never thought I'd hear it. A lot of drone stories lately. There are these super fucking cool firefighter drones now that legitimately look like the future. You put the hose in and they use the water and the lift from the water pressure and all that. They can get 30, 50, 70 feet in the air and then you can control them like an, a giant fire hose on a crane. These are big boy drones. They weigh several hundred pounds. They've got a lot of heavy equipment going on to stabilize them and everything, but they use the lift of the pressure of the water plus their blades and everything to control and stabilize and stuff like that. That's a cyberpunk fucking story, because eventually a firefighter is going to take one of those, he's going to crash it through his ex-wife's window. That's a fucking cyberpunk story. That's what's going to happen eventually, baby. Uh-uh, it's coming. It's coming down the road. That's not what the tech starts for, but that's what it ends with. That's a cyberpunk story. I never thought I'd be hearing the ones where, like, firefighters use a drone to rescue a dog with a sausage. News at 11. There it is. It's the cutest story that I heard this week uh, in, the, in the midst of searching for child soldiers, uh, amputated toes, and uh, COVID news. That was somehow the one cute story that jumped up uh, to me. So I thought I would pass it along because I thought it was so much fun. Uh, I was wondering, because I don't particularly like robots uh, either, and I know a lot of people would definitely be skeptical of a little drone who's like, come here, follow me, while you're like stuck in some place or something. Like, mm, I don't know who's controlling that. I don't know what's going on here. But... <laughs> I'm a little skeptical. So you're like, I don't know if I can trust you. You say you're the drone. You're like, you hope the camera's listening and all that. And I thought, like, if I'm stuck in a well, whatever, the drone leaves and fucks off. I'm like, okay, it's better. And then it comes back with something. I'm like, what's it going to come back with where now I want to trust the drone? <laughs> like, just assume that they can't write a note or something where there's like, just shut up, Jap. Shut up, you asshole. My name is Steve and I'm here to help. Just pretend like it's like a rom-com or something. Right? And, and for whatever reason, we can't talk it out or have a single adult conversation. Just assume. 
and it's going to bring something in and drop it off. What would you what would you like? Would you like a sausage McMuffin? Would that do it for you? Like if it brought you like some Chick-fil-A, would you be like, okay, okay, all right, okay, hold on. <laughs> you might be okay. <laughs> hey, hey, you didn't get barbecue sauce? Drunk fucks off, comes back later with barbecue sauce. Oh my God, this is great. <laughs> Thank you. And hey, where's the Coke? <laughs> suddenly, suddenly, the robot off, like, the dog's been begging for sausages all his life. We've denied him. The cruel naked apes that control his world. <laughs> suddenly, one-to-one, robots are offering food. So, I don't really think it's all that strange of an idea. Okay. Okay. You guys want to hear some requests read? No? All right. Well, then, thank you very much for coming out. Have a nice night, everybody. No? Damn. One of these days, they're going to let me out of here soon. They're going to let me out early. Not today. All right. The mountains that enfold the vale with walls of granite, steep and high, invite the fearless foot to scale their stairway towards the sky. The restless, deep, dividing sea that flows and foams from shore to shore calls to its sunburned chivalry. Push out, set sail, explore. And all the bars which we fret that seem to prison and control are but the doors of daring set ajar before the soul. Say not too poor, but freely give. Sigh not too weak, but boldly try, you never can begin to live until you dare to die. Doors of Daring by Henry Van Dyke If I can stop one heart from breathing, I shall not live in vain. If I can ease one life the aching, or cool one pain, or help one fainting robin unto its nest again, I shall not live in vain. If I can start, if I could, woof, <clears throat> wow, start, uh-oh. If I could stop one heart from breaking by Emily Dickinson. <laughs> Boy, that's a very sweet one. I've read a lot of Dickinson's over the years, obviously, uh, like everybody else. Uh, know knowing her actual history, that's actually very sweet, given that she's still bringing people comfort. What, 150 years after her death? 150 years or so? Somebody out there a Dickinson fan? About 150 years, right? Anyway. All right. She was a lovely, wonderful shut-in, and just like uh, Enya... A role model. Make one amazing album. Buy a castle. Fuck off from the world. Ugh. Goals. <laughs> she saw Beauty and the Beast. She saw Disney's version of it and she goes, I've got an idea. <laughs> I'm going to do all of that except the fall in love fucking part. I'm just going to be the animal in the bathroom. She had the right ideas. 
She sat at tea just like the others. First, I merely had the notion that this guest held up her cup, not quite like all the rest. And once she gave a smile, it almost hurt. When they rose at last with talk and laughter and ambled slowly as chance dictated through the many rooms their voice animated, I saw her seek the noise and follow after. Held in like one who is a little bit, would have to sing where many people listened. Her lightened eyes, which spoke of gladness, glistened. With outward luster, a pond is lit. She followed slowly and took too much trying, as though some obstacle still barred her stride. And yet, as if one on her farther side might not be walking any more, but flying. Going Blind by Rainer Maria Rilke, R-I-L-K-E. Apparently that's in German. So that's interesting to me. Just one second. Sorry, guys. I swear I'm almost perfect at every showtime. And then I'll brag a little bit about having, like, chili or something, and I'll just get the littlest tickle in my throat. But we're almost there. You can hear it. You can hear it. You can hear it. It feels so good, too. Okay. Wow, lots of poetry requests. Thanks, guys. That's very nice. When the plane went down in San Francisco, I thought of my friend M. He's obsessed with plane crashes. He memorizes the wrecked metal details, the clear, cool skies cut by black, scarred of smoke. Once while driving, he told me about all the crashes, the one in blue Kentucky, the yellow Iowa, how people go on, how people don't. It was almost a year before I learned that his brother was a pilot. I can't help it. I love the way men love. Mm. That one did not end where I thought it was going to from the start. That one got kind of sweet and uh, very interesting <laughs> by the end of it. Oh, boy. That was like a reverse Chuck Palahniuk. You know, if Chuck Palahniuk wrote that poem, it would start with the airplane's crashes, and then it would end with him fucking the airplane crashes. All right. You're the most beautiful girl I've ever seen, and I know that. But I can't rediscover it in every way. I can't return to that epiphany every time my alarm clock goes off. It's unnatural. But what I can do, what I do quite naturally, is become jaded and unimpressed by it. I can see your beauty as normal, as one of my life's many constants. I can climb atop its shoulders and travel about, rolling my eyes at sunsets and rainbows, dismissing all the beauty of the world as less than average. And I complain to you about it. And you can deduce your beauty from that. You girls in this guy, I'll never get it. Beautiful by Bo Burham. <laughs> Just don't understand it. I know you all love him, so I won't say anything more. <clears throat> when lost in the forest, stand still. Okay, note from Daddy. Bad advice. I'll read the poem. I'll be a good sport about it. But bad advice. 
You're gonna be lost in the forest. You're supposed to plant on three days. After that, you're probably gonna die in 72 hours. You're supposed to build a shelter. Uh. All right. <clears throat> when lost in the forest, stand still. The trees ahead and bushes beside you are not lost. Whatever you are is called here. You must treat it as a powerful stranger, must ask permission to know it, and be known. The forest breathes. Listen. It answers. I have made this place around you, and if you leave it, you may come back again, saying, Here. No two trees are the same to raven. No two branches are the same to wren. If a tree or branch does its lost on you, then you are surely lost. Stand still. The forest knows where you are. You must let it find you. Uh, that is a poem written by... Uh, okay, the citation says, A series of fungi that enjoy decomposing mammals. That was who wrote that poem. A series of fungi that enjoy decomposing mammals wrote that poem. Okay, it's a pretty interesting one. <laughs> Come on, I'm saying it's bad forest advice I'm saying, I'm, I'm saying the fungi is trying to kill us That's just the joke, deal with it uh, The actual, the actual uh, artist is Oh, sorry, When Lost in the Forest by David Wagner There you go okay. Wagner <laughs> It's a very, it's a sweet metaphor It's the, it's the opposite of what you're supposed to do though It's a little scary these Just Sit there and relax. No, 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 no. That's a bad idea. <laughs> uh, you have forgotten how cold you're about to be. <clears throat> Paramour of memory. Ultimate mistress. Source of all pleasure, my only desire. How can I forget your eclastic caress, the warmth of your breasts on my roaring fire, paramour of memory, ultimate mistress. Each night illuminated by the burning coals, we lay together with the rose fragrance clings, how soft your breasts, how tender your soul, ah, we said imperishable things, each night illuminated by the burning coals. How beautiful the sunsets these sultry days, how deep so profound, beyond life's brief floods. And then, when I kissed you, my queen, in a daze, I thought I breathed the bouquet of your blood, as beautiful as sunsets these sultry days. Night thickens around us like a wall, and the deepening darkness our irises meet. I drink your breath, ah, poisonous yet sweet. As with fraternal hands I massage your feet, while the night thickens around us like a wall. I have mastered the sweet but difficult art of happiness here with my head in your lap. I find pure joy in your body, your heart, because you're the queen of my present and past. I have mastered love sweet, but difficult art. O vows, O perfumes, O infinite kisses, 
Can these be reborn from a gulf we can't sound? As sun reappears, as if heaven misses, their light when they sink into seas dark, profound. O vows, O perfume, O infinite kisses. The Balcony by Charles Baudelaire. A favorite for you girls, it must be. You have me keep coming back to this balcony, much like Baudelaire does himself. <gasps> I prefer warm fur, a perfect fire to lie beside, a cozy lap where I can nap, an empty chair when she's not there. I want heat on my feet, on my nose, on my hide. No cat I remember dislikes December inside. Cat by Marilyn Singer. <laughs> That's a pretty cute one. <clears throat> it was the hard winter she came from locks plummeting through the gloom like fallings. Oh no! Oh, no, it's one of my favorite words, and I didn't pronounce it right. I didn't say it right at all, because I assumed it was the other. It's one of my favorite words, and when it becomes a wordle word, it'll destroy people. They'll say, that's not a word! Oh, yes, it is. It's one of my favorites. <clears throat> Let's try it again. It was a hard winter she came, frozen locks plummeting through the gloam. Like falling stars, each pale in their yards, a slatter's looking glass. Each dusk, the house cobwebbed by creeping frost, my husband sleeped like a knife from an oyster. My sons nestled like dormice in their cots. I stood at my black window, and on the cold it pressed upon me like a lover, held its hands to my throat, my knees. She came first through the trees, a small glint amongst the poplars, hoar-frost dripping from the velvet nubs of their antlers, leaping fast to the shuddering pillar of flame, her pelvis a cradle of jeweled tinder, her ribs white kindling. A holy thing, such furious unblossoming, and something profane. I pressed my eyes to the glass, the crackling dark, and saw her heart catch light. Blackbirds, flat, flat frantic from the forks of trees, woke shivering, sweet besides my breast, my tongue in my teeth. Every night then she came. In the stolen hours between caring and dream, the children vanished. The drudging chaos of the day put to sleep. I have no words to tell of the shape she scorched, the frozen lock, the copper key, but the heat licked me raw as a wild love, cracked the ice on my ribs and tossed in a flare. All my life I have been a good woman, compliant, neat, my children's snow boots polished, each snowflake of ash swept clean from my step. I've worn obedience like a uniform, the hoof of iron cooling in my grate, yet I riled in the witching hour, tongue glittering. My darling, I whispered to my own dry bones, for what do you burn?
Three moons she has been absent, though I wait at my window, the chill persisting, presaging snow, and my longing rises hopeless as the carp in the pool. I don't know where she is living, or if she lives at all, with women nursing in fevered sheets, or scrubbing floors until their knuckles ignite. But by dark, when my sons sail the black cut of sleep, and frost lays its terrible lace upon the glass, I am alone with my fretting. With my dreams like black pearls in the calm of my mouth, I press my fist to the tenderest wound, my soul, and Christ, how I burn. The Burning by Liz Berry. Wow! Wow! That was awesome! Anybody who watched The Witch with me, wow, that's the same kind of feeling I get from The Witch or The Favor. Wow, I have the exact same kind of feeling when I watch a story uh, with a female protagonist who, who, really, who really grits down at the situation. That's the kind, I have the exact same kind of feeling, like, ooh, fuck me. Ooh, that was a great poem. I've never heard of Liz Berry. Is she old? With a name like Liz Berry, I feel like she's new and she just wrote in the old school. Somebody tell me something about her. She's interesting. Okay. Got a few more poems to get through here. <clears throat> the snow is deep on the ground. Always the light falls softly down on the hair of my beloved. This is a good world. The war has failed. God shall not forget us. Who made the snow waits where love is? Only a few go mad. The sky moves in its whiteness. Like the withered hand of an old king, God shall not forget us. Who made the sky knows of our love. The snow is beautiful on the ground, and always in the lights of heaven's glow, softly down on the hair of my beloved. The Snow is Deep on the Ground by Kenneth Patchen, P-A-T-C-H-E-N. Okay. It was a goose who sadly cried. Alas, alas, the farm is wide. The large and barnyard company, but no one ever looks at me. There really seems to be no use of praise or glory for a goose. The pet, the dog, whose bark and bite, they scare the tramps by day and thieves by night. But when I bravely stand on guard and drive intruders from the yard, they laugh at me. The kitten plays, and all admire her cunning ways, but when I venture into the room to play in turn, some stick or broom soon drives me out. Those birds they call canaries cannot sing at all, in my sweet fashion, yet they lay in praise, for mine folks turn away. The prize, the horse who pulls the cart, but when I try to do my part and mount the shafts and help the draw, they whip me off. Last week I saw two stupid horse pull a plow. I watched the work and learned just how. Then, with my bill, 
I did the same in flower beds, and only got blame. It really seems of little use to try and help when one's a goose. The Goose Explains by Amos Russell Wells. Hey, I got through that passing the laugh test like a motherfucker. So whoever put that in, I just T-posed on you. Whoever snuck that one in, I just T-posed on you hard. This is like this is like the rock 10 years ago back when he was still trying to act a little bit and he would give you that intense rock face, right? You you know it wasn't scary. He would give you that intense rock face, though. Like, he would do something. He'd be like, mmm, rock. That's what I'm doing. This is the people's eyebrow. And this is the people's elbow. <laughs> I missed 15 years ago rock. I don't know what happened. Steroids. Okay. Mm. <laughs> He's in a horrible, horrible movie that I'll watch every time that I'm like in an Airbnb or something alone. Every single time. It's a horrible movie. I watch it every time. The Rock, Sean Willard Scott, Chris Walken, Rosario Dawson. I believe it's called The Rundown? It's The Rock, Sean Willard Scott, and Rosario Dawson are trying to get some diamonds? It's not a fun movie. It's not a good movie. But, like, every five minutes, there's something that makes me crack up. For one, like, Chris Walken played a psychic in something called The Dead Zone, and it just had a real effect on me. It just had a real big effect on me for no reason. So at one point, they can't find him. Like, boss, do you think the dead? And Chris Walken goes, what am I, psychic? It's just a lot of stupid shit like that that was just, like, put in there just for me. And I laugh at everything. The Rock gets beat up by, like, 85-pound pygmy people who do... Vine foo. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Vine foo. They don't just swing on vines. They have like a whole martial art that they've that they've learned to do, like Cirque du Soleil, except with vines. And it's so over the top and dumb. But watching the rock get beat the fuck up by pygmy people is dope. It's so good. But then that was the last time he ever lost a fight. He got cast in a Fast and Furious movie, and his ego never came down since. I shouldn't diss on him. He's a probably, he's a very cool guy, and he does very cool thing for advocating for women and girls, I have to say. Of all the Hollywood male stars out there, he's the only one who's always got like a girl who's doing a science project or something in the movie, even if it's only for two seconds. And he demands it, apparently, and I actually think that that's super cool. I'm dead serious. I have to give it to him. I think Dwayne Johnson's actually a very nice guy. I actually do. And I I deeply respect the fact that he's almost always uh, responding to a woman half his size going, Yes, ma'am. But what, ma'am? Almost always. Almost every single one of his films. You got to give it to him. All right. Wipe off your chin. Pull down your vest. Allow nothing to ban your way. Fight harder still to win the day. The things are bound to come your way. Uh-oh. Don't claim the fortune past your door and gave your lucky neighbor more. You'll find old lady luck is for the man who works and doesn't get sore. No matter how the rain may pour. If hard fate deals you a slap, don't curl up like a yellow sap. Knock all the obstacles off the mappy. And show them how a man can rap. 
Okay. When against the tide, turn on more streams. Any dead fish can float down the streams to breast life's currents. Take the trip. It takes a live one full of zip. There's nothing short of death can whip. Just keep on trying. Okay. Keep on trying. Also, the Stockwell Paradox. That's all I'm going to say. Optimism works for you. Use it. Okay, I got one last poem, and it's another cheeky one because you guys are all jerks. I love you. I give you all of me. I try and show you the best. I come back. And how do you treat me? Like a bunch of jerk faces. I already got treated by a jerk face today. She's my cat. Saw this one coming. I knew this one was coming. I knew this one was coming. I went to bed a couple of nights ago, and I, I as I was going to sleep, I was like, oh, yeah. Uh, I, know, I know at least one, one to expect. Here we go. <clears throat> there was once a sausage McMuffin. You thought a sandwich for stuffin'? Not exactly the same. It was the man's name. Don't laugh. He's so rough and toughin'. Why a sandwich his mother named he? For peace of mind that he couldn't be. Her parents were blamed. For she, too, was so named, a cheese, quarter a pounder, was she. This family must have done crack. I tried to trace their history back. Such names to be tested, and I think you have guessed it, started with Grandpa Big Mac. Uh, that is on allpoetry.com. It's entitled Sausage McMuffin. And uh, I believe the uh, the artist is officially named Virtual Anomaly. But that just could be... That could just be how they refer to everybody who's like deranged enough to put their poetry online. They could just call everybody who does that, standardly speaking, a virtual anomaly. But there you go. Oh, you love me, huh? Are you sure? Are you sure? You love me, huh? This is like so good. I love you. As as you begrudgingly do the dishes in the sink. Like they walk by. I love you. Oh, yeah? That doesn't really feel like what's happening right at the moment. I'm not denying that you do, but this is... What a strange, strange day to be a pornographer. You know, I wake up, everything on the server is goose-filled. I know I have a show, I'm trying to get through my dates, I'm trying to get my work done, I'm trying to entice women with robot dog food and talking about Wordle. <laughs> uh, I should get around to being sexy eventually. Uh, I said it was one of my favorite words, and it is G-L-O-A-M, gloam. It is uh, a period of darkness before night between sunset uh, and uh, actual twilight. It's right before the twilight is the gloam or the gloaming. And it's not really used anymore. Uh, it, it does come up a lot in very nerdy things. So artists that use the word gloam will typically be pretty like out there and pretty interesting. Uh, and then a couple of personal favorite uh, bands have have talked about the time of the gloaming 
And it, I've just naturally noticed if you write music, you, you pretty much, and we got it tonight, actually, uh, uh, in one poem, which I think is pretty interesting. But I've made a personal note that artists like talking about a certain time of day. Like Prince is always talking about shit going on right in the middle of day, right? Little Red Corvette takes place in the middle of the day. Raspberry Parade takes place in the middle of the day. Uh, like Prince just loves talking about like 2 p.m., you know, you go through his fucking discography. There's not a lot of night shit. He's he's talking about what's going on that day, man. And I think that's great. People love a certain time of day. And so if somebody keeps referring to like the witching hour or the dead of night, they're the opposite of one, someone who uses like the gloaming. Like you think one is super cool or you think the other is super cool. It's not both. Uh, and as a kid, I grew up calling it blue time. The gloaming, I grew up calling it blue time because to me, everything looked kind of bluish, like literally blue. After sunset, which everybody liked and I didn't get the deal of, it would then be blue time. And I, before the actual, you know, it's like I put on a, 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 blue, pair of, a blue pair of like Beatles sunglasses, John Lennon style sunglasses. Uh, and I've always been curious about that. Because I love purple, and I love blue, and I love those darker colors. And I uh, I found out a long time ago uh, that artists like uh, impression are, are, uh, ah, Impressionist artists are believed to often have uh, a, a rare trait from men where they have et- extra cones in their eyes. Tetracombs is what women have. And women see this very, very easily. Men typically don't. But they believe with, like, Monet and whatnot that these guys had it. They believe it for a number of reasons, or they used to. I haven't done a lot of research on this recently. And that's why they could – that's why Van Gogh could paint – if you've ever looked at his self-portrait, if you look at his beard real close, there's green and orange and strange, strange colors that make up his beard. Very strange colors that most people would never think of uh, that are dabbed in there. If you look very closely at it, you can zoom in. There's great, great – uh, online shots of it. You can really see the green in his beard. Uh, and the and the idea is is that he really did see color differently and then he could present it to us uh, uh, that way. So I've always been curious because I'm not a tetrachrome. I cannot see the extra colors. If you put the, uh, if you if you test yourself to see if you are, as a woman, you're much more likely to be in the, than a man. Uh, I, I, I have RGB. I have the typical RGB. But I always like cooler colors more and darker colors more. Always all my life. And uh, I, I legitimately was curious because people don't call it blue time or don't see the same blue that I do. Uh, when I look around at that, that, that moment of the day, the world is bathed in blue. Bathed in blue during the gloaming. And it's very pretty. I also can't see shit. <laughs> And then as soon as it becomes night, my eyes can adjust really, really well. So there you go. So in the gloaming, I can't see shit. It's all blue and sweet and nice. And then it only lasts a couple of minutes, depending on where the where the sun is in relation to where you're at. Okay. That's me talking about shit for no reason. Why do you do it, Jack? I don't know. My dearly loved angel, here we are yet again, year of pain, 
year of conflict, year of hardship. The year that begins will <laughs> the year that begins will be a year of hope and joy and love. Do not doubt it. Wow, that's choking me up a little bit. Whoo! Okay, that emotionally affected me, and I didn't expect it to. Let's try it one more time. My dearly loved angel, here we are again at year's end. Year of pain, year of conflict, year of hardship. The year that begins will be a year of joy and of love. Do not doubt it, for all my heart tells me it is so. I am outcast, banished, exiled, separated from my loved ones, poor, wandering, heart-stricken, and yet... When I turn towards you, it seems like I see the good Lord smiling upon me. You have been admirable, my Juliet, during these dark and difficult days. If I had been in need of courage, you would have given it to me. But I needed love. Bless you, you brought it to me. When, in my always perilous hideouts, after a night of waiting... I would hear in the morning the key to my door trembling in your hand. I would forget everything. I no longer felt in danger, nor the shadows encircling me. It was the light that entered. Oh, let us never forget those terrible hours, and yet so sweet, where you were next to me during periods of struggle. Let us remember for the rest of our lives that little dark room, those old tapestries, those two armchairs side by side, those meals at the fireside table with cold chicken that you would bring, those chats so tender, your caresses, your worries, your devotion. You would be surprised by my calm and my serenity. Do you know where this serenity and calm came from? It was from you. You see, God never strikes completely. He threw us here, but together may be blessed. In those years so rapidly gone by, alas, your soul dispensed a wealth of tenderness, of devotion, of loyalty, of virtue, and yet the beautiful soul is richer than ever. Your eyes gave me many smiles, your mouth many kisses, and yet your sweet face is younger than ever. You have given everything, and you have kept everything. I had given you, and you had everything. Only the stars in the sky can thusly cast their beams carelessly without diminishing their light. The year that had finished was sad. Half! Of my heart is dead. Oh, how sweet you were for me during those hours of dread. How God rewards and blesses you. Your love, oh my angel, resembles virtue. I can hardly wait to see you this evening. It would say, one would say that the beating of my heart hastens the rhythm of the pendulum so as to get there more quickly. When I am nothing more than a frozen cinder, when my tired eyes no longer see that day, tell yourself, if your heart, my memory, is etched. The world has his thoughts. Me, I had his love. Love Letter 
from Victor Hugo to Juliette Dural. Or Duray, maybe. Huh. I wonder if that, uh, I wonder if that, uh, Victor Hugo went on to make anything else writing-wise, because I think he actually might have had the talent. Never heard of him before, but, I, you know, I think he might have actually had the goods, this Hugo guy. Hmm. You think he wrote any of the Fast and Furiouses? He's pretty good. He could have written one of those. <clears throat> Diego, truth is so great that I wouldn't like to speak or sleep or listen or love, to feel myself trapped with no fear of blood outside time and magic within your own fear, your great anguish within the very beating of your heart. All this madness, if I asked it of you, I know in your silence there would be only confusion. I ask you for violence in the nonsense, and you, you give me your grace, your light, your warmth. I like to paint you, but there are no colors because there are so many in confusion and tangible form of my great love. Love Letter from Frida Kahlo to Diego Rivera Thursday, 8 February, Halifax, came upstairs at 11 a.m. Spent time from then till 3, riding to M, very affectionately. More so than I remember to have done for long, wrote the following crypt. I can live upon hope, forget that which we grow older, and love you as warmly as ever. Yes, Mary, you cannot doubt the love of one who has waited for you so long and patiently. You can give me all of your happiness I care for, and, pressed to the heart which I believe my own, caressed and treasured there. I will indeed be constant and never from that moment feel a wish or thought or any other than my wife. You shall have every smile and every breath of tenderness. One shall our union uh, and our interest be, and every wish that love inspires, and every kiss, and every dear feeling of delight shall only make me more securely and entirely yours. Then, after hoping to see her in York next winter and at Steph's before the end of the summer, I further wrote in crypt as follows. I do not like to be long estranged from you sometimes, for, Mary, there is a nameless tie in that soft intercourse which blends us into one, and makes me feel that you are mine. There is no feeling like it. There is no pledge by which gives such sweet possession. Monday, 12 February, Halifax. Letter from Anne Belcombe, Pentagrat, York. Nothing but news, and concluded, from your ever-sincere, affectionate Anne Belcombe. The seal... Cupid in a boat, guided by a star. Si je te perds, je suis perdu. Such letters as these will keep love on my part. I shall not think much about her, but get out the scripts as well as I can, 
sorry and remorseful to have been in it at all. Heaven forgive me, and may M never know of it. Well, now I was wondering why why she was uh, why she was uh, encrypting because crypt uh, is a, is a term to mean to encrypt uh, back then. So I was wondering why, and now that we've gotten to the end of it, it makes a lot more sense. Anne Lister, ha <laughs> ha! The Secret Diaries of Miss Anne Lister, Volume One. Okay, so that makes a lot more sense. I'm like, why are you uh, why are you writing down your own diary? What you uh, encrypted for your lover there? Why are you doing that? Okay, I got it. Wow, you think lesbian dating is hard now? You think lesbian dating is hard? You have to learn like tools and like shit now to date lesbian. You don't have to learn an actual another language and then just like hope that you don't after you spend time learning a secret language so that you won't get disowned for being a lesbian. Uh, you have to hope that you don't like write it all out. I love you. I need you. I love you, baby. And then sit it off and that she doesn't write back. So John's getting married. Isn't that weird? The lake was colder than it usually is. Like you have to uncrypt it like the fucking Christmas story. Oh my god. Ugh. <sighs> Being gay in the 1800s. Who had the fucking time? Huh? <laughs> of course he's straight. He only speaks one language. What what you just say? There's a lot to unpack there, but um, I have an 1800s level education, so I'm not going to be able to get there. <laughs> I, I appreciate something just been said. Uh, I'm going to just real quick tell a dumb joke, just because it's come to me. I haven't thought about this joke in a decade. I don't even know if I'm going to be able to get to the fucking punchline. Let's see it. <laughs> so a bookish type is having car trouble on a road trip. Stops into a bar. There's nobody else in there except a kind of a salt-of-the-earth type. Not cruel, but clearly probably a Republican voter of some sort. And they get to talking while the professor is uh, waiting for his car to be uh, fixed up so he can get out of town and on his way. And the bartender asks him what he does. And he says, well, I'm a professor of logic, philosophy and logic. And the bartender goes, what does that mean? Well, how do you be a... How do, you, how do you be a professor of logic? He goes, well, would you like an example from your own personal life? Project goes, sure. So the professor goes, I bet you have a riding mower. The bartender goes, that's right. How'd you know? He goes, well, when I was driving by, I looked at all the size of all the yards and everything out here, and there's just no way that a push mower is going to do it, and you must be from around here, so I'm assuming that you have a riding mower. Is that right? The man goes, yeah, of course that's right. He goes, well, if that blows your mind, if you have a riding mower, you almost certainly have a house that you almost entirely own. The man goes, that's right. How'd you know that? He goes, well, you wouldn't get the riding mower and uh, talk about it and take such a sense of pride in it unless it was uh, purchased down the way. So this is a, fa a, a phone that you own, or this is one that you've uh, been in with for a while? He goes, it's family home, third generation. The professor goes, wow, that's, that's wonderful. And I can deduce from that that you have a lovely, lovely pair of kids. 
The man goes, of course I do. How can you tell that? He goes, well, you're maintaining your yard. You're doing everything you can to keep it in place. You're doing it for your lovely wife. Is that right? The man goes, oh, that's right. I guess you knew that because I had the kids, huh? He goes, that's right. You're catching on. From one piece of information for another, we try and deduce the rest. It doesn't always work. Logically, that works out. And the bartender and the professor have a lovely chat for a couple of hours until his car's fixed up and he's on his way. The, bar, the redneck bartender is getting ready for a night out on the, uh, to, to, serve the, to serve the local community in Sling when one of his most loyal and, and uh, thirsty patrons drops on in and asks him why he's in such a chipper mood, the bartender. The bartender goes, I just learned about logic. You want me to teach you? The man goes, well, sure. He goes, do you own a, li- a riding mower? The man goes, no. He goes, that's because you're gay, ain't it? Yeah, I love that one. Ugh. Personal fave. First time I heard, I, I got something up my nasal passage that wasn't supposed to belong there. Uh, I'm just like, okay, all right. I I do believe that's how that goes. I didn't tell, I'm sorry. I wasn't very good with my logic portion. I was trying to make that up off the top of my head. Turns out it's not easy to make logic up off the top of your head. I don't know how Alex, jo- Alex Jones does it every every week. What a skill set. <laughs> I remember there was a riding mower. I remember that he had to have kids so that he could turn around and say that the other guy was gay. But that was it. That's all I remember to that joke. I was like, okay. Just, uh, uh, uh. It was like a Charlie Chaplin old school sketch where I'm just trying to throw down more railroad tracks slightly than the train's moving forward on. Let's see if we can do it. Uh. <laughs> all right. Two more love letters. And when I have reasoned it all out, and set mates and bounds for your love that it may not pass, lo, a letter from Clara, and in one ardent, pure, Edenic page. Her love overrides my boundaries as the sea sweeps over rocks and sands alike, crushes my barriers into dust out of which they were builded, overwhelms me with its beauty bewilders me with its sweetness, charms me with its purity, and loses me in its great, shoreless immensity. Love Letter Robert Burdett to Clara Baker Wow! Damn, imagine getting that paragraph. And again, That's how much better it was to be straight and trying to fuck via letters in the 1800s. I've been thinking about it, and I really, really, really want to be inside you. (laughs) My dearest Teresa, I have read this book in your garden. My love, you were absent, or else I could not have read it. It is a favorite book of yours, and the writer was a friend of mine. You will not understand. We've done this one. I'm sorry. We just did this one not that long ago. Like, one of the most recent live shows. She's dead. I'm sorry. I'm going to cut ahead. We just did that one, though. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not ending on that one again. Thank you to who submitted it, but we just did it. Spoiler alert, she doesn't understand the words because she's dead. 
<laughs> All right, guys, that's love letters. Thank you very much for everybody who submitted one. Mm -hmm. You guys are throwing tricky ones at me. I'm coming back, and you're like, let's have Lord Byron seduce a 16-year-old girl. Yeah, come on. Mm. <laughs> hey, she's technically legal. <laughs> I read something about legality. It's like, if you have to look it up, it's just like crime. You just haven't committed it yet. <laughs> oh, you missed nothing, Morgan, I promise. Okay. <clears throat> I'm in a hotel bar. The waiter slides over a cocktail, which I didn't order. And points to the guy sitting at the end of the bar. Mm. He's dressed in business attire, dark hair, handsome face, and lust burning in his eyes. He raises his glass. It looks like scotch. <laughs> <laughs> and nods in my direction with a warm smile on his face. I raise my glass and nod back, mouthing the words, Thank you and take a sip of my cocktail. As the night goes on, oh no, oh no, lady, get out of there. As the night goes on, a second cocktail arrives in front of me, again, from the same guy. Ooh, uh oh, uh oh, uh <laughs> one, oh. One is classy, two is scary. <laughs> Asking a woman for a number once, I mean, it, you know, it really is context sensitive. Okay, asking a second time. Oh, no, 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 babies. Oh, no, 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 no. I guess, I guess women don't, just real quick, women don't give numbers anymore, do they? They now give like a contact on like a Discord server or something, don't they? Now that they can avoid that, don't, oh my God, I just realized that, huh? <laughs> oh, you could actually, you could actually flirt as a woman a lot more with like smartphones and modern technology, can't you? You can just be all like, uh, "My name is XX Panda Bear Twenty Two XX. Call me Panda for a bit, huh? Why, why don't we, why don't we, why don't we slow it down there, Chachi? First, you show me your dick, because I'm one of the few women in the world who really, really, really wants to see one right away." We'll take it from there. Don't try it. Don't try and rush me. Now show me your fucking dick. <clears throat> okay. <laughs> Again, from the same guy. We exchange a few glances. You can feel the sexual tension build throughout the night and sense it from across the bar. The third drink arrives in front of me. Only this time, it's for the gentleman from the end of the bar, and he delivers it to me himself. He looks me dead in the eyes and slides the drink my way. With a note underneath, he leans down and whispers in my ear, 15 minutes. Hold on. He leans down and whispers in my ear, 15 minutes. Before I can ask him what it means, he's turned on his heels and is walking away. 
I should take note in between my fingers it reads three, one, five. I feel the excitement building up inside of me. Then should I? Shouldn't I? Nerves start to take over my body, but before I can think anymore, I'm on my feet and find myself. No! No! Find myself on the lift pressing floor three. Within minutes, I arrive at the door and find myself eagerly knocking. My mind is on overdrive. What's behind the door? Will I enjoy it? Am I crazy? The door opens. The room is in darkness! <laughs> yes! Yes! Yes, this is all appropriate. I step into the room, and I can't see him. But I know he's there. Right in front of me! <laughs> I mean, he's in the wrong town! I'm just about to open my mouth to speak. But he doesn't allow me time. He pushes my body roughly against the door just as it closes. His mouth is on mine within seconds. His lips are hungry and he kisses me deeply. He hands me one hand in my hair, one hand gripping my thigh, his leg between mine, pushing them open. His lips move from my mouth and to my neck. He trials rough. That's what it says. He trials rough but passionate. Oh, no. Yeah. Okay, I see. He trails rough but passionate. See, Wordle has fucked with me. <laughs> Fuck you, Wordle. You've re-scrambled my brain in two weeks. It took you two weeks to scramble my fucking brain up. But that's what it says. It says trials. I was like, no, it says trails. No, it says trials. I'm just trying to make it trails in case I need to move the I and the A. He trails rough but passionate kisses down my neck and back up to my ear. He whispers, relax. You're going to enjoy this. One more time. <clears throat> he trials rough but passionate kisses down my neck and back up to my ear. He whispers, relax. I feel his hands settle on my waist. I feel my feet leave the ground as he picks me up. My legs automatically wrap around him and my lips, fi or lips find each other again. He takes ten long strides and throws me on the bed. He's on top of me instantly. Author's note, if I pick you up and kiss you passionately and you're losing your fucking mind and you count the number of steps that I take, I did not do my job. He rips my top off with such force, exposing my breasts and nipples are already hard. He removed my skirt and goes on, tears my undies off. I'm extremely turned on and wet. He grabs both my wrists and pulls them above my head. He commands me to keep them there and he starts to bite at my skin and then my nipples. Not too hard, but enough to make me squirm. His mouth finds my clit and my whole body relaxes. A bolt of electricity shoots through me and I find my back off the bed. His tongue continuously flicks over my clit. His hands find my hips and he pushes me into the bed. I'm thrashing against his grip. Each flick of his tongue becomes too much for me, but he does not stop. He keeps going. My whole body is shaking. I'm so sensitive to his touch. My breathing gets deeper and deeper and I'm just about to come when he moves his mouth and flips me over. Hands above the head. Same position. Do not move. I'm Batman. 
He spreads his legs wide, one hand on my hair, gripping it firm and hard, pushing my face into the bed, and the other hand at my lower back, holding me bound, just as I feel him tighten his grip on my hair. I feel his cock at my entrance. He roughly pushes forward, filling me, causing me to scream out. He begins to pull out slowly, then roughly pushes back in. Each time it's getting faster and hard. He fucks me. <laughs> That's its own sentence. One more time. He fucks me. <laughs> we go to his pace. We fuck to his orgasm. This is about him using me to get what he wants. His cock completely fills me up and I can't take it no more. He continues to fuck me. My whole body is alive and shaking. I'm so close to the edge, but I know he won't allow me to come. This is for his pleasure and his pleasure only. I feel his body learn. <laughs> I feel his body learn forward and feel his entire weight press against my back. His thrusts are short and fast. He's close. He roughly turns my head to the side so that he can gain access to my ear. And he says, I'm going to come now. Open up. He eagerly flips me over and his cock is at the tip of my mouth, begging me to take him in. As soon as I part my lips, I feel the cum hit my tongue, sliding down my throat. I swallow every last drop. I don't waste any. He removes his cock and immediately starts to get dressed, leaving me on the bed naked and used. As he heads for the door, he turns the light on. All is said is, It was a pleasure to meet you. The door closes behind him, and I never see the guy behind door 315 again. <laughs> Doctor! Oof! Oof! Three drinks, and a note, and a whisper. And she didn't get one hint. Three drinks. <laughs> one note. <laughs> one whisper. Demanding that she do something. And she's all like, it sounds fun. <laughs> if a man buys you a drink, you cast glances over him, you mouth him a thank you, he doesn't come over and say something, you have... <laughs> Uh, take everything from the mini fridge deep. Take the fucking mini fridge. Take the whole thing. Guess who just got a mini fridge? <laughs> Get a trolley. Uh. <laughs> that was a fun one. Whoever suggested that one, thank you. That was a... That was something that was that was all kinds of stranger danger rolled into just a few paragraphs. Oh, uh, her walking into that room felt like playing the Silent Hill trailer for the game that never came out. It's like, honey, you need to get the fuck out of there now. This is <laughs> I also want to know what hotel room she walks into. A stranger's room. She sees it's dark. She's not only going to go in. She doesn't turn on the light? What kind of hotel doesn't have the fucking light switch by the door? 
<laughs> I've been in one. It was in Austin. It sucked. It was clearly just like an old mission house <laughs> subdivided in. It was worthless. Uh, surprised it didn't have a water basin at the end of it. Okay. <clears throat> wow, Allie! Jesus Christ! Allie just said something so dark! She's hoping that the note says, like, you have to do what I say or else I'm not going to give you the antidote for the poison. <sighs> that's... That's fucked up. <laughs> DOA, but TNA. Mm, I don't know. I don't know. Okay. <clears throat> Robin couldn't wait. Oh, sorry. I, sh I Before I begin this one, it's the last thing that I'm reading tonight. Thank you. Come on out next week. I'll have a serious sexy story next week to read uh, that, I, that I pushed off from this one. If you're going to throw me a little tip of whippy, please do so. Thank you so much, and keep the Jubilee on and going. Tell everybody, invite your friends, get everybody to come on out and all the rest. I'm having a lot of fun with this one. I'm going to keep showing up. I'm going to keep having the amazing voice. I'm going to keep uh, having a good time until slowly but surely I bring you all back in and you realize, even though this world is kind of scary, uh, we can still have a pretty good time. What do you say? Yeah? Okay. <clears throat> just, I'm supposed to do this stuff. I was supposed to be doing it all along. It's just weird that I'm doing it now. But I'm much less self-conscious about it. You notice how I'm doing it? I'm still talking about it. But you'll notice I'm much less self-conscious about it. It's weird. I used to have to take a deep breath before reading my DMs. And now I'll just go immediately into my DM. And if there's bullshit, it's like, hmm, I don't need to deal with this right now. I need to do the dishes. Let me just tell you, that's an amazing advance. Okay. <clears throat> Robin couldn't wait to get home. They'd gone out to dinner with friends, but now she was where she really wanted to be, in her room, in the dark, in the arms of Anthony. Her Anthony. They had only been together a few months, and she couldn't believe how much her world suddenly revolved around him. How much she waited for him to call, to hear his voice, to feel his breath on her skin, just moments before he moved in to kiss her. Their tongues intertwined in the moonlight of the bedroom she had grown up in as he ran his fingers through her shoulder-length brown hair. What a sentence, one more time. Their tongues intertwined in the moonlight of the bedroom she had grown up in as he ran his fingers through her shoulder-length brown hair. Taking her head into his hands as they kissed, his tongue snaking down her neck as his hands moved down her body, running down her back, coming to rest on her ass, groping her through her skirt. Robin was a bit thick at 5'2 and 140 pounds, but at 21 years old, it was now with Anthony that Robin felt comfortable dressing and acting like she had always wanted. She knew no matter what she did, he'd love her anyway. The dirtier she was, the more he seemed to like her. I'm getting nervous because that was the split there. Was it a, was a, a properly used semicolon? Which means I, it's time to buckle up. Because this person knows how to start a story and use a semicolon, and it's not crazy yet. So, this is Daddy saying, get ready. <laughs> I don't know where this is going to get off track, but it's going. 
Right here in the dark, she was still wearing all her clothes as they fondled and groped one another, a headband holding in her hair bag, her army jacket with her T-shirt under it, her short little denim skirt, and on her feet, her converses. She always thought sneakers looked silly with skirts, but Anthony liked it. And she liked pleasing Anthony. Pulling away from her, she watched as he pulled off his jacket and tossed it aside before doing the same with his shirt. Then grabbing her around the waist, he was kissing her again. She felt his hand tighten in her hair. She loved it when he took control, loved the way he used her as he slowly moved her head down his bare chest and she worked her tongue over his naked flesh, down his stomach, until he forced her down on her knees, asking her if she wanted to suck his cock. She looked up at him as innocently as innocently as she could, telling him yes, to which he told her he knew she wanted to. Okay. That's all dirty girls love, sucking dick. She sat and watched as he unzipped his fly and pulled out his cock. It smacked her across the face as he did so, and his hands returned to her hair, and he pushed her into his groin. She knew what he wanted, and he was wanted it too, and she began licking and sucking his hips. Oh, no! And his hairy balls. And finally, his cock. He yanked on her hair just long enough for it to hurt a little and told his slut, open her mouth. Robin loved being talked down to during sex, loved being treated like a whore as she spread her lips and Anthony filled her mouth with his six-inch cock. Standing over her, he let Robin do most of the work. <laughs> As Kim Cottrell said in the original run of Sex in the City, it's not called a blow job for nothing, sweetheart. Okay. Okay. Uh. <laughs> Yeah, it's a blowjob, motherfucker. <laughs> Even if you're moving your hips forward, what do you think's going on? <laughs> Standing over her, he let Robin do most of the work, only occasionally tugging on her hair to fuck her face, letting her know who was in control. Robin loved feeling used as she took more and more of his cock into her mouth while she sucked on him, circling her tongue around his shaft teasing his foreskin with flick after flick while he called her dirty little whore. She was, and she knew it. She was, and she knew it, and she drooled a bit while sucking him off. With another pull of her hair, he looked down at her and told her what a great little cocksucker she was. She smiles and tells him she's had a lot of practice. He asks her if she likes sucking dick, and she nods her head before moving forward to take him hungry into her mouth again. She only gets a taste, however, before he pulls her away. He orders her to take off her shirt, and she does so while walking over to her closet. She doesn't know what he is doing as he looks over at her from the darkness and tells her to lose the panties, too. She doesn't... F she does... <clears throat> she does feeling silly standing there in just her jacket, t-shirt, and sneakers. She gets a thrill as he comes at her in the dark.
<laughs> she feels so vulnerable, but she trusts him. Roughly, he grabs her by the wrist and pulls her arm towards him. He knows she likes a little pain. She shivers a bit, and something soft brushes against her wrist. He is trying something. He is tying something to her hand. One of the scarves, she thinks. He doesn't ask. He just takes the other hand and ties them together. He tells her little sluts like her like being tied up. She has always thought about it, but never tried it before. The scarf is around her wrist pretty tight. She feels his hands move up to her bare pussy as he suckles on her neck. Oof. Oof. That's a lot of neck to get in your mouth to suckle. There'll be a hickey there tomorrow, she thinks. He's rubbing her, and Anthony tells her how wet she is, how the little slut must want to be fucked. He tells her to ask him to fuck her. She does. <laughs> this is reading like a police report at this point. This is amazing. <laughs> this is like, <clears throat> was it R. Kelly that did Trapped in the Closet? Part 1 through 27. This is like if R. Kelly was trapped in the closet, but instead of narrating in an R. Kelly style, he's an officer of the law. He's the good version of R. Kelly, and he's just writing down the details as they happen. <laughs> then a little person came in, and I believe there was a horse. <laughs> <laughs> With that, he grabs her bound hands and bringing her down to her knees. He keeps a hold of her and he leads her on her knees to the bed and bends her over it. He asks her again if she wants him to fuck her. She says yes, and he smacks her on the ass hard. She lets out a small cry of pain, and behind her, Anthony laughs. He gives her another whack and another. She's beginning to enjoy her spanking as he tells her to beg him for it. She moans for him to please fuck her. He lets her ass have it again, and she gives a playful wiggle. It stings, and she finds her pussy dripping more. She really is a dirty girl, she thinks. She asks him to please fuck his slut. He rakes his fingernails down and back, sending chills all around her. Robin can feel Anthony positioning himself behind her. He grabs her by the thighs and spreads her legs forward apart and grabs his cock and rubs it against her slippery entrance. He's teasing her, and he knows that he must be loving it. She begs him to fuck her and said she feels his fingers work and they're away inside from behind. Anthony is really good with his fingers. He is working them in and out of her. She can feel an orgasm building and he rubs her with the most sensitive area. She cries out and her body explodes. Anthony smiles and keeps working his fingers inside her, inside her, inside her, inside her, inside her, inside her. He loves making Robin squirm. Robin isn't sure how much more of this she can take. That's when he suddenly feels Anthony thrusting inside her. Robin cries out and Anthony moves over her, whispering into her ear, reminds his slut that her parents are asleep downstairs. He pushes into her harder, making her cry out again. He tells Robin her parents are going to hear if she can't be quiet. She's no, they'll know what a filthy whore their daughter is. This excites her. Part of her loves the rough thought of everyone knowing everything what a horny little slut she is. At the same time, though, she'd be very embarrassed. 
She tries to keep quiet as Anthony takes her from behind, her bound hands out in front of her while she is fucked. Anthony isn't helping, however, as he keeps stopping and then thrusting when she least expects it. That's twice tonight. <laughs> Author's note. That's two for two of men who are just throwing their hot dogs down hallways no matter what the fuck's going on. All right. Toying with her as he screws her, he tells her he'll be quiet as she feels him remove her headband. He then tugs on her hair, causing her mouth to open in pain. When it does, he stuffs the headband into her mouth and he begins hammering in and out of her pussy. She's moaning now like a cheap little slut as he slides back and forth, impaling her on his cock. She's never had sex this rough before, but she's loving it. Her body shakes and shudders in another orgasm, and she rocks back and forth on his hard cock as it slaps in and out of her vagina. He tells her to come on his cock as she convulses on him and asks him if she's ready for his cum. She is, and moans for him to come inside her to fill his little slut with his cum. He does. She moans and nearly comes again, and she feels Anthony explode inside of her body, filling with her sperm. She is glad she is on the pill. She loves the feeling of a cock coming inside of her, but doesn't want to have any children yet. Robin pants and moans as Anthony pulls out of her, and she watches where she sits, falling back on her bed. He lazily removes the headband from her mouth and begins to untie her. She's hot and gets up on her knees, removing her jacket and shirt. Uh, how many shirts do you have on, lady? Exposing her breast to the moonlight. She loves her big tits and toys with them a bit. She moves over to Anthony while only in her shoes and drops her head into his lap. She kisses his thighs while feeling his slimy cock on her face. Holding her head up, she takes him into her mouth again and cleans him off. She loves the taste of their shared juice, her sperm and her pussy, his sperm and her pussy. She wonders if all girls taste like this. She smiles devilishly to herself, thinking of threesomes, wonders if Anthony would be okay with that, if she would be. Climbing onto the bed, she kicks off her shoes and crawls into his arms. He kisses her on the head and tells Robin he loves her. She tells him the same before they drift off to sleep. The next morning at breakfast, Robin looks at Anthony to her parents, thinking about the night before, wondering if they heard her cries while Anthony fucked her. They don't seem to be acting any different, so she dismisses the notion. She begins eating her bacon when her mother looks at her and asks with a knowing smile what the creaking noise upstairs was last night. Robin laughs and turns red, looking at Anthony, who just shrugs his shoulders. Some help he is. <clears throat> that was Robin Bound by Too Cool 21 on Literotica. Woo! Bet you didn't think I was going to do a whole paragraph in Robot once I started that bit, because I didn't. Got two sentences in, I'm like, this is too long of a paragraph, but it's too, it's too stupid of a bit to back down. Joel, Joel Hodgson, he, he, you know... He's the reason. That guy would do the stupidest bit for 60 seconds straight sometimes on that fucking show with those puppets and everything. And I, ever since then, that's where 15 seconds comes from. Like anything, you're like, how does he have the emotional stamina to just do the dumbest joke ever, no matter if anybody's laughing or not? And the answer is, uh, I never had your approval. How can I be afraid of losing it? I never had it. It was never given it to me. It's only like 25 or so when women start going, hey, you know, you're kind of cute in some light. It's too late. 
It's too late. I was Bane. I lived without it. Oh, you only adjusted to the bad self-esteem. I lived without it. All right, guys. That's it. Uh, I will do my best to not have civil war stories and to to have more dogs on uh, dogs being helped out by robot stories and more fun stuff for you next week. Uh, thank you guys very, very, very much for coming out. Everybody who sent a request, everybody who sent in a tip, everybody who came out, uh, everybody who just talked about it or wanted to. I hope to see you next Friday or some Friday real soon. It is very, very, very good to be back. Thank you again for coming out, listening, the whole thing. Share the podcast, tell your friends and all the rest. I'm back, back, back. I feel really, really good. Um, you know, I'm just going to say it at the end of this. I'm completely sober. And to have battled with anxiety and to have done one of these shows not so many years back and to be just totally nervous to the point that it was that it was legitimately making me stagger. It's so nice to just, you know, come here after a bath. It really is. I took a nap. I took a bath. I'm completely sober. I'm about to have a wonderful night uh, on the server listening to music and all the rest. Uh, Slowly but surely, I do keep getting better. So... Thank you guys very, 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 very much. And uh, I'll see you soon, okay? Have a wonderful week ahead of you. Hope you're enjoying the podcast. Goodbye. Goodbye.